All right, welcome back to the program. So, we're called to put on the mind of Christ in Romans chapter 12. We are called upon to let his way of thinking permeate our way of thinking. We're called upon to 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 live our lives in a in a in a way that we see the world after the manner of what God has revealed to us about who he is and about ourselves. Okay, I'm already getting very theological. Let's dive in and let's pray. And then we'll continue on. And, and again, this is all about Lent. I'll tell you how in a minute. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of our lives, for the gift of our Catholic faith. And Lord, we ask that you, your faith, that your faith, <laughs> the faith that you have communicated to us would bear new fruit, would bear more fruit, would, bear, would, would, uh, would, would bring about, Lord, um, greater fruitfulness in our lives in the form of peace, of joy, of clarity, of direction. I ask Jesus that uh, those who listen to this program would be encouraged, that you, dear sweet brothers and sisters in Christ, would find new courage to walk the path of holiness, to walk the path that the Lord has laid out for us this Lent. Give us the grace to do that today, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so just a quick summary, a riassunto, a quick summary of what our Lenten journey is, right? We are called by Jesus Christ to be drawn out into a deeper union with him as he entered the desert. Remember, the Holy Spirit from his baptism, pushed him, drove him, led him into a very specific desert for a specific period of time to accomplish a specific goal. There he fasted and prayed. He was cut off from everything but God. He set himself apart and held in reserve his time and the whole of his life for the Lord, for his Father, and there communed with him and with the wild beasts. It says the wild beasts experienced a peaceful coexistence, uh, a peaceful coexistence with him. And he battled against the devil, battled against the devil to surrender his relationship with God, his communion with his father. And he, he did that on our behalf. He did that in our place. He did that for our sake. You realize this, right? He came as our redeemer, and he would set us free, not by, from the outside, reaching down and pulling us up out of the water. No, he dove into the raging waters. He came underneath us when we were drowning, and he pushed us into safety, while he himself under, underwent all of the impacts of our stupidity, our ignorance, our betrayals, all of our sin. He identified himself with sin and its consequences so that we would be set free from sin and its ultimate eternal consequences of being cut off from God. This is Jesus. This is who God has revealed himself to be. In the, in the words of Jean Danielou on the Trinity and the Mystery of Existence in his book from the, the late 60s, he said that uh, even without philosophical training— we can resist those who tell us that matter, that stuff, is the ground of all being. 
And if we spontaneously go beyond the overly abstract views of those who tell us that spirit, or the one, is the ground of being, it is before this mystery of the Trinity, it is because this mystery of the Trinity has opened up before us an entirely new perspective. The ground of all being is communion. The ground of all being is communion. Not, not, not holy communion, right? Not the Eucharist, but union with. Do you see what he's saying there? What he's referring to is the reality of the Blessed Trinity is this infinite eternal mystery of God who is three persons in one divine nature. Three persons who fully perfectly share, who possess and share and participate in this one divine nature. Divinity is three-personed. And so the perfect communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shows us that ultimately being is communion, is, is being in union with in a life-giving way. And not only that, but our identity, the identity of the persons in the Trinity are relational identities. You've heard me say this before. Again, I'm not making this up. This is, this is our faith as it's taught down through the centuries, revealed in the scriptures by Jesus Christ, uh, expressed in the scriptures, expressed in our tradition, in the teachings, in the life of the church. It's all about being in union with. We're called to be in union with the Blessed Trinity, whose very identity is relational. The Son is a relational identity. That's who Jesus revealed himself to be, the only Son of God. That means that his identity is an identity associated with the Father, an identity that comes from staying and being in perfect relationship with the one he calls Father. Father is Father because there's a Son. So you see this this mystery of relational identity, that I am who I am, not on my own, standing apart, independent from, but only standing in union with. This is who we are called to be. And so, folks, this you got to hear this. This is so important that your life, your life, you might think I have a name and my name gets at my identity. Yet, it expresses something about who you are, but you only show up, you only manifest what it means to be you when you're fulfilling your God-given mission. And ultimately, that has to do with your relationship with him and your relationship with others. And so for me, I'm Tom, but I'm Tom, husband of Carrie, father of these kiddos, brother of children, child, son of, uh, you know, my mom and dad. It, you will not get to know me. Carrie is like, I, I thought I knew you talking with you. But boy, I got to know you so much better when I saw you hanging around with your friends, how you interacted with them, how you talked with them, the things that you did, whether it was playing sports with these kids or these guys, these buddies of mine, or hanging out and, and talking about theological stuff with these guys, or uh, taking a walk and then going to Mass and praying with her. And it was in relationships that Carrie saw these facets of me unfold. But she said, boy, I really got to know you when I saw you back at home with your family. Then it was, aha! Now I know so much more about you. It's a relationship, it's a relational identity. Now, in our married life, guess what? I will only be true to my own identity if I live a poured out life towards Carrie and my kids as a husband and a father. A poured out life. Ooh, a poured out life. I like that phrase. That's a life of self donation that somehow I won't know who I am. I won't really identify that the true nature of my life if I'm not giving my very life, forging my life into a gift. God who 
created me and planted me in this moment in history as a gift. It's a gift from the Father to the Son. That's who I am ultimately. And that's who you are ultimately. You're a gift. Ultimately, you're a gift from the Father to the Son. You're an idea in the mind of the Father, expressed in the Son in creation. The Son redeemed that gift that the Father gave to him. He died for you so that the gift that the Father gave to him would not be lost. No one that the Father has given to me did I lose. And so you're that important to God that you were conceived of in the mind of the Father. You were expressed in, in, the, in, the, in the very reality of being created by the Son. And, and the Son poured forth with the Father the gift of their spirit into you so that you could cry out, Abba, Father. You could cry out, Abba, Father, because you now find your deepest identity in the Son. You who were created from nothing from dust, from nothing. You've been elevated into this new status as a child of God, a child of the Father. You cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. You can come into a level of intimacy and nearness, a sense of of authentic meaning about who you are when you're in relationship with God. That's your identity. That's the that, that's the deepest reality is in your relationship with God. But guess what? That then overflows in the life that you're given to live in this or in this world. That, that, that all those rich, theological, mysterious, supernatural depths come grounded, grounded in the today, in the right now, in the this morning. What are you doing this morning? What are you doing this morning? Are you going to do something like go to Mass and express that reality? I, I, God has given me the blessing of being able to have a schedule where I can get to Mass every day. If I choose it, if I will it, if I'm determined, if I'm willing to get up, make the sacrifice, do what I need to do, whatever else happens, get to Mass. But when I get to Mass, I get drawn up into that heavenly sense of my identity. At Mass, I'm there. I'm there in the pew, and I'm looking towards the sanctuary. Right? And I see that altar rail, and on the other side of that altar rail, I see these, the, 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 this priest clothed in a garment that reminds me, that expresses to me that he is, he's performing an action that is not just of this world. He, he is dressed, he is vested in a garment that expresses that he is about an action that is connected to an unseen world, a world that is beyond this world that we can see around us, connecting me to God and to Christ and the work that Christ did to connect me to the Father. He's going up to an altar. There he is receiving this gifts of bread and wine, which represent my life. He's speaking to me a gospel, a good news, connecting me to Christ. And it's Jesus Christ himself who's acting in that moment. I can connect into that identity. I can connect into that very, that very reality. That, that, ultimate, that ultimate reality is, is breaking into the daily mundane reality, mundane, of this world, at Mass. And I can worship that God. God created the world in order to reveal and communicate His glory. St. Bonaventure. God created the world to reveal, to make manifest, and to communicate His glory, His divine beauty. His divine majesty, his holiness, his divinity was intended to be communicated because he is that good. He's that perfectly good. He did not need to do it. He willed to do it out of love so that we could share in his life. That's the meaning of this life. It's found in that relationship. 
At Mass, we can connect into it. At Mass, we can participate in it. At Mass, we get to share in that great work by which Jesus reconciled the whole world back to God. And we can immerse ourselves in it. We can give ourselves over to it. And then we receive back Christ. Christ pours himself into us in the great act of receiving Holy Communion. He pours his life into us so that we can live that new identity. We can live that identity as we go back out into the mundane realities of the world. Okay, that's the grounding of it all. Well, what does this have to do with Lent? Well, there's everything to do with Lent. Because Lent reminds us that there are all these things that cloud that reality, that, 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 that make that reality uh, less visible, less uh, recognized, less um, uh, realized. Uh, we, we forget it. We deny it. We doubt it. We, uh, we ignore it. We reject it. We rebel against it. Those are the things that happen in our lives. And Jesus is saying to us, look, I need to bring you out of your slavery. I'm going to bring you on a holy exodus, a holy exodus out of the Egypt that you have made for your life. You have been enslaved in so many ways in your life by your thoughts, by your words, by your deeds, by your omissions, the things that you have not done. You are bound up in a spiritual slavery, darkness confusing your mind, your will weak and divided, confused, your passions uh, crisscrossing, going in different directions, the flesh and the spirit waging a battle in you. You have that urge towards sin that is concupiscence in your life. This is the, the being that you are, and I, Jesus Christ, have willed to enter into your reality and to make that reality by which I have set the world free and you in it 2,000 years ago, I'm going to make that real in your life today. Lent is about us entering that journey. And it's hard. It's hard because we don't want to die to ourselves. It's difficult because we would rather stay comfortable in our ignorance. We would rather stay soft and pleasant in our suffering uh, slavery, enslavement, rather than say, enough, get behind me, Satan. I reject the comfort and the ease. I reject the flesh and its allurements. I, I renounce my attachments and my attitudes that make me want to ground my reality and my identity in myself, in my stuff, in my status, in my possessions, in my position, rather than in you. I renounce all that stuff. And I say yes to letting Jesus Christ grow in me. I say yes to letting his life be lived in me. Did you hear that? That's what Lent is. It's about the life of Jesus Christ coming alive more fully in us. It's not only being stripped away from the slavery, it's about having Jesus Christ formed in us. Why is Christ so passionate about being formed in us? Why is Jesus the Redeemer so passionately consumed about bringing us into the desert that has our name on it this Lent? Do you know why? Do you know why? If you don't, I'll tell you in just a minute. 
Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Did I leave you hanging? Did I leave you hanging? <laughs> Why? Why is Jesus so passionately consumed with his love for you that he would draw you out into the desert this Lent in order to not only sever you from all of those connections and attachments to the flesh, the world, and the devil that leave you bound up, but why is he so passionately consumed to be formed in you? Well, the answer is he loves you. But no, he loves you, but guess what? He also loves the world, and he wants to love the world through you. He intends to love the world through you. He intends to pour forth his life in this world through you. He intends, he wills, Jesus Christ wills. The living Lord Jesus Christ sees you today. He sees you right now. And he wills today to shine forth through your life into the lives of all those that you meet, into the situations of all those that are around you. Do you get this? Jesus redeemed the whole world and all who are in it, but there are so many in it who don't know Jesus. If you've been given the gift of your Catholic faith, of your life as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus, you've been given an immense treasure. Really, think about it. The most important treasure. The treasure of having a relationship with God opened to you in which the fullness of truth and the fullness of the means of salvation are there poured into your life and put on display in front of you for you to take in. Did you hear that? I used a phrase theologically connected to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, established by Jesus Christ, founded by Jesus Christ, continued on down through history, is the church that has the fullness of truth and the fullness of the means of salvation the means of, of, of Christ bringing healing and wholeness and salvation to the world comes through the Catholic Church. The sacraments, the sacraments, baptism, confirmation, holy Eucharist, confession, marriage, holy matrimony, holy orders, uh, the anointing of the sick. These sacraments are means through which, conduits through which the very divine life of God is poured into our lives. And grace upon grace is poured through into our lives through the church's teachings, through the institutional structure, through these offices, right? These office holders, the bishops, priests, the ordained, through the, these, these structures and institutions that, that the Holy Spirit has established and, and moves down through the ages, these religious orders, uh, through movements of the Holy Spirit that get raised up, the devotional life of the church, through the amazing lives of saints and the teaching of the church. These are riches, brothers and sisters in Christ. These are riches given to us in order to encourage us in order to stir us and move us. These are blessings that the Lord wants you to access. But we are not accessing them. Why? We crowd them out. We don't drive them out. We don't reject them and renounce them. No, we just 
Crowd them out with the next series on Netflix or Amazon or whatever streaming service that is the the flavor of the day. We waste our lives on that demonic window, which is our smartphone. That window through which filth is destroying lives, introducing anxiety and depression, stimulating young people to self-harm, leading to demonic confusion, diabolic disorientation and confusion of sexual identity of young people, radically disturbing and destroying the, the purity and the innocence of teenagers, literally as I speak to you. Before I could even finish that sentence, there were thousands upon thousands of young people that were literally introduced to disgusting displays that are pornographic around the world. It's happening. Even as I'm just even talking about it. But you know, uh, my cup of coffee is just, it's getting cold. I better heat it back up again. You know, boy, it's a little bit chilly in this house. We better turn up the heat. I need to get a little more comfortable, a little warmed up. Oh, wow. You know, I I might have to cut back on eating out so much because, boy, it's gotten more expensive out there. Boy, it's hard right now. What about how hard it is for all of these young adults destroying their lives because of addiction to painkillers, to fentanyl, to what about all of these millions of young people that have been kidnapped and are caught in sex slavery and sex trafficking operations? What about the horrors and the nightmares of of so many young people who now are being led into distraught, distressing, anxiety, depression, and and self-harming situations because of the diabolically diabolically pervasive displays of of transgender ideology across TikTok and Instagram and and, uh, Snapchat and these... These horrific platforms that are just just destroying souls. And what do we do? What do we do? I'm too busy. I'm too busy coaching my daughter's team. I'm too busy taking my kids to the kids' practice. Until it happens to us. Until it happens to our loved ones. Until it comes and breaks through the front door of our lives. And then we realize that one of our kids is stuck in internet pornography and masturbation and is now addicted and is harassed by the imaginations and memories that are just harassing and and clinging to him until it happens where one of our kids gets sexually assaulted by a trusted adult and because he is uh, addicted to pornography and we had no idea until you have someone uh, come into your your lives and who says now uh, that their sexual identity is fluid and they're now going to act out in ways that are degrading and depraving to themselves and they expect you to celebrate and accept and promote their sense of well-being by celebrating their, uh, their, their sad, broken expressions of who they are. And they need help. But God bless you if you were to approach them or their parents and say to them, 
Are you sure? Are you sure this is the wise path to go? Are you sure giving them steroids and hormones and leading them down a path where they're going to surgically destroy their own bodies? Are you sure this is the the life-giving things to do? Are you sure you're not missing out on what? When and what is it going to take for us to realize Jesus Christ is desperate to enter our world with the truth that will set people free, with the goodness that will lead people to flourish, with the light that will lead people out of confusion and darkness, with the love that will heal, unbind, and set free, with the power to restore what has been broken, with the grace to give strength to heal the wounds, with the mercy to grant a fresh start in a new beginning. Jesus is waiting to enter our today. He's waiting to enter your world. He's waiting. He's looking for an exit point to be able to go from heaven to earth through your life. This is Lent. This is Lent. What happens when Jesus exits the desert? He starts the proclamation of the gospel in a public ministry. It's then he gets through the desert. He overcomes the temptations. He relies entirely and roots his identity fully in his relationship with the Father and relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches and he lives what he preaches, and he dies for his preaching because he loves. Jesus is crying out today. He's crying out today, where are my people? Where are the members of my body? My body, the church is my body, the mystical body of Christ. Where are the members of my body willing to allow me, the head, to be at work through my members? Where? Who, who is saying, pick me, here I am, send me, like Isaiah. And and maybe like Isaiah, maybe what we're saying is what? I can't do it. I'm a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips. And the Lord said, that's all you got? I'm going to send my angel with the purifying coal, like in Isaiah 6. That purifying coal, I'm going to touch your lips, I'm going to purify you. If you think think that you've been disqualified because of your impurity, I tell you, I will cleanse you, I will heal you, And it will send you on your way. Oh, I'm too young. Jeremiah, I've heard it before. The Lord will say, I've heard it before. I had a prophet. He said he was too young. And the the Lord's response was, no, 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 no. (laughs) It's not about age. It's about having my word. If you have my word in your heart, if you have my word and you bring my word to them, I don't need you to uh, have your wisdom. You just need to have my word. And wherever you go, Uh, You go wherever I send you, and you speak the word that I will put in your mouth. Well, Moses, he's like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 I I, I can't talk. I I don't got the gift. I stutter. I I don't don't got the gift. And the Lord's like, "Uh, yeah, you know what? I've heard that. I've heard that. Uh, I'll send you Aaron. Aaron, he'll go with you. You don't think you can talk? Aaron will be your mouthpiece. Oof, Lord, if I go back... You know, they're, they're, they're going to try to take my life. Please send somebody else. <laughs> Please send somebody else. Please. And the Lord's like, no. No, 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 no. 
You are my instrument. I need you not to rely on yourself. I need you not to rely on what you think are your abilities to do this work. You do this work because I've called you. And if I've called you to do it, I'll give you the grace, right? Remember, you know the famous little phrase, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, right? God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. If that's your mission, he will give you the grace you need, each of you, all of you, us, yes, you and me. He's going to give us what we need to do the task that is ours. But that doesn't mean it's easy to receive what he is ready to give so that we can fulfill the task. Are you ready to receive all that the Lord has for you in order for you to fulfill the task that is yours? The reason why he created you and planted you in this house, in this moment, in this place, in history, in this family, in these relationships, with this job, with these friends? Are you ready? He, it's not an accident. He put you there. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, Lord. Okay, great. Take a cold shower. Sleep less. Get up early. Pray for an hour a day. Go to confession once a week and, and pray a rosary on your knees. No, 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 not, not five decades, all 20 decades. Do that, and then fast, fast. Give up the candy, give up the garbage. Oh, yeah, you know what? Just give up all use of media for six months. Just do that. Let's flush it out of your system. Now are you ready? Whoa, 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 Tom, relax. Calm down. Stop talking like you're God there, right? That's, that's a little over the top. That's a little over the top. And I wonder, is it over the top? Or is it just that we have settled for spiritual mediocrity? We just settle for a mediocre existence. How sad. How, look, kind of put it out there. You know, I... um. Like I, I don't know how many more years I have on this earth. I don't know how many more days I have on this earth. I, I hope the Lord gives me a long life. But do you know why I hope the Lord gives me a long life? If I thought of like the, the reasons why, like number one is I want to pour my life out for as absolutely as long as the Lord can please give me the opportunity to do so. I want I want to be able to end my life with a sense of a sense of saying, yes, I've poured my life out. I've given every last drop of my life energy, my gifts, my, my time, my talent, my treasure, it all. I, I, I put it all out there on the field. I do not want to die with most of, of or a lot of what God has given me just somehow left on the sidelines. You talk about waste, right? waste. And so that's the discrepancy I feel. I don't want to die until I've poured my life out for God. That, that's what I want. That's what I want, and that's what I ask for. And when I do ask for it, it's then that I will often experience the gap. The gap that exists between what I'm giving, what I'm giving, and what I have to give, the distance that exists between what I'm giving and what I believe the Lord is asking me to give. That's a, frankly, that's a pretty humbling thing to say out loud, that I'm aware that there's more that the Lord has for me and has for me to do, not only has to give to me, but has for me to do 
and I'm falling short in what I'm giving. I, I don't see that full correspondence between the call that he has for my life and how I'm responding. That's why I want to live longer. Oh, yeah, I want to live longer because I want to be there for my wife and my kids. Yes, and I do, right? Um, I'm saying it because there's absolutely, of course, a human side to this as well, right? There is, of course, a human side to I want to be there for my kids. I want to be able to see my kids enter into the fullness of their call in life, their state in life, whatever that is. And I want to be there to support them and encourage them and hold them accountable and pray for them and and celebrate and enjoy all of that. Yes, 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 of course. But it's really, I, I don't want to die without becoming a saint and without fulfilling the God-given mission that he has for my life. Can, can you say that? Can you want to say that? Lord, Lord, please, don't let me die without making me a saint and without having me fulfill the God-given mission that you have for me. Please give me a life that is that long. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I, I'm still in my introductory point. That's, you know, I guess it's not too surprising. I'm kind of, I'm kind of going where the Lord is pushing me today. I wanted to give a summary of what, what Lent is all about, and it kind of led me down this trail. But I'm actually displaying the, the key point that I wanted to build off of. I wanted to use it as a springboard, which is teaching matters. What you believe about your life really matters. And if we think that somehow we've gotten to the end of our understanding of the Catholic faith because we accept what the church teaches, and, and if you ask us questions, we're kind of like a Catholic answer man. You know, I can I can quote for you the scriptures. I can quote for you the councils of the church. I can probably even throw in some papal documents and even some quotes of saints. And if I, if that's what you think I mean by understanding the teaching, then you haven't even reached the starting line. That's not even the starting line of what I'm talking about when I mean the teaching of the church, the truth that God has revealed, right? Remember, the Catholic Church has is is this gift that Christ has given the world, his body continuing to operate in history, has the fullness of truth and the fullness of means of salvation. See, these two things are together. They're linked together. It's the truth. The truth doesn't just sit in your mind as something memorized. It, it, it sinks into the heart, into the core of our being, and it manifests itself in how we live our lives. And this this actually is the quote I wanted to begin with. It's from a book by Henri de Lubac called The Christian Faith. And um, let me just read the quote, okay? Um, It's this. He says, Above all, the creed teaches us the mystery of the divine trinity. It is this mystery that our faith, it is in this mystery that our faith consists. It is for us both light and life. Nevertheless, it is easy It is very necessary for us to recognize that it's not always easy to understand and is not readily apparent to everyone. For a number of Christians, and not just those who retain only a vague, conventionalized version of the faith, this seems to be a sealed mystery. Is it proper to blame those who have the task of instructing us? It would be more just to take this blame upon ourselves. Now listen, here's here's the money shot right here. 
we do not always know how to embrace the most pregnant truth, which must slowly produce its fruit within us. Impatient as we are, we would like to understand immediately, or rather, in our short-sighted pragmatism, if we're not shown practical applications for it right away, we declare it to be abstract, unassimilable, unrealistic, an empty shell, a hollow theory with which there would be no point in burdening ourselves. Now, we must really be convinced that when we allow ourselves to indulge in such thoughts, it is we who are thus living superficially outside of ourselves. Who does not consent? The Christian who does not consent to let himself be grasped and molded by it, such a Christian does not realize of what light and power he has deprived himself. Let me say that again. The teaching of the church, the truth that Christ has revealed, we have to let ourselves, we have to consent, we have to say yes to let ourselves be grasped and molded by this truth. And when we don't, we do not realize what light and power we have deprived ourselves of. We do not see that in consenting to hear only the voices that promise us a response to our immediate questions, we are renouncing the opportunity to grow in self-understanding and depth while shutting ourselves up within the limits of our own narrow experience. And then here's the last sentence. Sometimes we even reach the point of imagining we can no longer find any meaning in a hackneyed, hackneyed out-of-date concept when in fact we are dealing with the mystery we have not yet glimpsed. We are dealing with the mystery we have not yet glimpsed. That's Henri de Lubac in his book, The Christian Faith, published by Ignatius Press. So profound. And and the book is on the creed. That's in like page 20. (laughs) It's like, again, you read this kind of book and you're like, yeah, I, I just surrender. I, I'm just not going to write anything. When books like this are out there, why even bother? Is, is the, it's, it's so true. But what do we learn from De Lubac here? What do we learn? We learn that the truth needs to be, wait a minute, what was Saturday's, what was, what was the feast day on Saturday? The feast of the incarnation? The feast of the incarnation, March 25th. Right? The feast of the annunciation. The Archangel Gabriel comes and announces to the Blessed Mother, that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. The Word of God is going to take, is going to be conceived in her womb and come to birth in this world. Now you remember, you probably know, you probably heard this, that March 25th was the traditional day of creation. Creation happened at a particular moment on a particular day. Well, traditionally, it was March 25th was the day of creation. And so uh, when you stop and say what happened, so that the new creation would naturally, you know, you could see the, how fitting it would be that Christ was conceived on March 25th. Nine months later, you have December 25th. And so the birth of Christ in this world. So 
the truth, the word of God, is to be born in you. Jesus himself, right? Remember, Mary is a model. Mary's a model for all Christians. She's the archetype, the archetype, right? So uh, what, is that, what does that mean, that she is the, the archetype? Well, it means that she is the, this perfect model that uh, you would go and measure yourself against. Look what she did. She received the word of God in her so fully it came to birth in the world. Now, none of us are going to follow that path but we can, by analogy, right, there will be a way in which we can follow that path too. So what happened in her is the most perfect realization of what can happen in us in a way that falls short, but also does point to that as the model, as yes, that, that's me too. And so Mary as the perfect disciple, Mary as the mother of the church, is going to be praying for us to have Jesus Christ be born in us. His word will come to birth through our lives. When we receive Holy Communion, what happens to us? What, what's, the, what's the impact? What's the effect of receiving Holy Communion? What, what's the effect? Don't, don't ask me. Ask St. Thomas Aquinas. Look to the teaching of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas, proprius effectus huius sacramenti est conversio hominum in Christo. The proper effect of receiving Holy Communion is the transformation of the receiver into Christ. Let me say it again. What is the effect? What's the impact of you receiving Holy Communion in a state of grace with an expectant faith, worthily, with a longing, come Jesus, come Lord Jesus, please enter into my soul, come and take possession of me. Lord, please, I'm not worthy to have you enter under my roof, but only say the word and I'll be made whole. I will be healed. I will be saved. I will come alive. I who am dead will come alive. I, that's, that's the expectant faith that I bring when we should bring when we go to Holy Communion. The words are put into the mouth by the church. Why? Because Jesus would be born in you. Jesus would be born in you. He would transform you into himself. That's how near. That's how profound. That's how intimate is the connection, the communion that is to exist between you and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not just someone who lived 2,000 years ago, rose from the dead, and returned to the Father, and now is just busy about things in the Blessed Trinity, and then just maybe at a distance looks down upon our lives. No. He is infinitely concerned, instantly, immediately concerned about the details of your life. Remember now, the idea of you existed from all eternity in the mind of the Father, was revealed in the gift, was communicated to the Son as a gift as you were created and born in this world. Jesus loved you enough to pour out your life, his life for you, so that you could be unbound and set free, to be elevated, to share in that life, and to give you the gift of his Spirit. That's the truth. Hey, welcome back to the program. Okay, so that's the truth. The truth is all of that. Like, that's all theological stuff, right? But theology shapes life. It shapes life. And so what does that mean? The things that we get so concerned about, we get so caught up in, we get so overwhelmed by. These are things that pass. These are things that, that slip away. 
These are not the things that endure. Do you get that? If we can ground our lives, ground our kids' lives, ground our way of looking at life in that reality, we will be serving our family so well. But that means we've got to talk about it. That means we've got to set the example. That means we have to to actually shape our family as if that's true. Okay, are you tracking with me? Truth meets life. Truth manifests itself in life. If that's true, then it's going to show up to your kids. Do your kids see you praying? Not that you go try to become visible to your kids. Like, hey, kids. Hey, kids, everybody, keep it down. I'm praying over here. (laughs) Do the kids catch you praying? uh, St. John Paul II, Carol Wojtyla, talked about waking up in the middle of the night. And one time, I think it was, he was going to the kitchen and he found his father in the middle of the night on his knees praying a rosary. Remember now, he lost his mother when he was very young. And so he, his father, was this model of faith and faithfulness for him. And there's the story of St. John Paul II when he was out and about as a chaplain to uh, these college students. He would go camping with them and, uh, you know, take them on these uh, adventure outdoor trips. You know, he's a very athletic uh, priest. And the story is one time they couldn't find him and they went and and there was a uh, church nearby or a chapel nearby and uh, they come to find out they went into the church and there he was prostrate on the ground before the Blessed Sacrament and he had been there all night. And just... Again, it wasn't, he wasn't trying to be seen. In fact, he was trying to be hidden, and it became revealed that, that's, that that was the most important relationship. That that was his truth. That was his deepest identity, and so therefore it had to show up in how he was going to live his life. And so, you know what? I would say this. Live this identity and try to, try to keep it hidden. Try to keep it hidden. Pray at night. Pray early in the morning before your kids get up. Pray during your lunch hour. Pray during those gaps that you have in your day when when no one's around. But you know what's going to happen? Christ is going to start showing up in your life in a new way. It'll it'll show up with the peace that that you carry with you, with the joy that overflows in you, the freedom that that starts to manifest itself in you, the the way in which you'll start to sing more. You'll start to laugh more. You'll start to to see and say things more that are are marked by graciousness and gracefulness. You'll start speaking words that that carry weight, even when they convict of sin. You'll you'll find yourself stirred in in new ways to, to say and to do, to avoid and to omit. Uh, these will all be things that just start happening in you because Christ is growing in you. Christ is growing in you. You'll find that certain bad habits that you had, maybe uh, losing your temper, maybe being unkind, maybe speaking harsh words, maybe uh, some other bad habit around drinking or around um, wasting uh, time or money on certain activities. These things will start fading away in importance. And you'll find yourself with be, with, the, with the rosary, praying the rosary, or reading the scriptures, or making it to Mass. These are things that will just start showing up. And you know what? It'll show up for your kids. Kids will see it. But then... It's not just letting that stuff happen in the in the around the edges of your life, um, and and if when they show up, they start showing up. But they also have to show up intentionally, consciously, purposefully, in your family's life. 
That means with your wife or your husband. That means with your kids. That means family prayer. That means making church not uh, not a, a, an obstacle to having a fun Sunday. And how do we get it out of the way so we can finally go about doing what um, we want to do? But no, keeping the Lord's Day holy, how are we going to install that as the central point of our Sunday? And then everything else takes second fiddle to that reality, right? That's That's how we should live. That's what we ought to be doing. And so um, I think that uh, this is one of those areas where, again, truth meets life. Truth meets life. So this Lent, we're still not done yet. You still have over a week left. Maybe take some resolutions from this program today. Some resolutions that say, Lord, please help me not to try to master and control the teaching of the church. But help me realize that you are the teacher and you are the truth. You are the truth. And I want to welcome you, the truth, into my life in a new way. Please, Jesus, come and be the truth and be alive in me in a new way. Please, Lord, I want to glimpse the mystery that I think I know so well. Please, let the light of your truth shine beyond anything I ever imagined for my life. And maybe today, again, make, make a resolution, make, make, again, a determined effort that says, Jesus, I, I desire to live the life that you created me to live. I don't often think about it, or maybe don't think about it enough, and I'm slow and my willingness, I'm reluctant to surrender control over what it might mean for me to really surrender how I spend my time and my money and my energy, what I do with this one life that you've given me to live. Lord, it's, it's something I hesitate. There's a part of me that rebels against it. There's a part of me that wants to intellectually uh, just kind of cordon it off and, and somehow make it less threatening. Uh, Lord, I, help me not to, help me to discern, Lord, help me to discern where what Tom is sharing is, in fact, a, a true expression of our Catholic faith and, and where he is overstating things, <laughs> Lord. Help me not to domesticate his message unnecessarily, but help me not to just listen to him, but I want to listen to you. Lord, I, I want to know what comes from you. And if it comes from you, please give me the courage to accept it and to, to, to break open, to break open boxes that maybe I've put you in, or I've put what would possibly be expected of me if I was to follow you. And Lord, give me the grace to have a new, a new sense of urgency and courage to be a bold witness in those relationships that are right around me first. Please help me to be a bold witness to my faith in you. And, and Lord, be a bold witness through my life. Yeah, that's what I want, Lord. Lord, I, I ask you, I give you permission to be a, more of a bold witness through my life than I've ever been before. That's that's what I want. I, I want to be a bold witness. So please 
Give me the grace to do that. And, and then be a bold witness through me, Lord. Whatever that means. Help me not to control in advance, to put boundaries in advance around what it is you might ask of me. So I say yes in advance to whatever it is you ask of me. I simply ask you to give me clarity around what that is and the courage to live it out. I'm not saying, Lord, make it easy. I am saying, Lord, make it clear. And then give me the grace to persevere. And Lord, I ask that you give me the, the strength to battle against the devil and the realm of the demonic that would attempt to domesticate this challenging call. I ask you to give me the grace to not allow the world in its many forms to tug at the, the, the entry points of slavery that would keep me soft and comfortable and at ease. But Lord, I ask most of all that you give me the grace to battle against myself, that I wouldn't be my own worst enemy, and choosing a path that would leave me soft, that would leave me ineffective, that would leave me in a place to not bear every little bit of fruit that you want for my life. Please, conquer in me all that resists you. Please, I beg you, conquer the rebel that still lives in me when it comes to knowing your will, following your will, obeying your voice, and allowing you to shepherd me into whatever path you have for me. So conquer in me my unwillingness to be healed my unwillingness to allow you to enter in to the innermost depths of my heart, my memory, my life, uh, all that I've said and done, all my relationships, all my past, present, and future. Enter in, Lord. Come through locked doors. Come through closed doors and set me free. Set me free so that I would cry out, Abba, Father, at a new level, at a new depth, in a new dimension that I have never known before. I can't do it on my own. Please give me the grace to do it. Mother Mary, St. Joseph, Please pray for me. Please pray for all of us as we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's my word. I hope it's an encouragement to you. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.